This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of St. John. And John's gospel makes very clear the difference between ascension and resurrection. Ascension means Jesus is with God. And resurrection means Jesus is still present to the ones that he loves. And in today's text, Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection. And through the original disciples and other disciples, up to and through us, we have been blessed with the good news. The key words in the text for the morning are, of course, Jesus' words, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus always sent the disciples on a mission that had to do with love. When love is at the center of what we do, the opportunities of being sent just magnify themselves over and over, beyond our wildest imaginations. Let's listen together. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails on his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, His disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was among them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Dear God, may some word that I say today be heard as your word, because we've come to hear your word, that we might carry the faith into a waiting world, in your name and for your sake, amen. Well, on Easter Day, with lilies and other lovely flowers everywhere in the sanctuary, triumphant music, an inspiring Easter message, an upbeat spirit of the congregation, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to say with confidence, the Lord is risen indeed. And then to go on and confess using the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in everlasting life. However, there are times in our life when it is not so easy to believe. Like the time of a death of a loved one. Resurrection at times like that sometimes make it feel very distant. Professor Robert Dykstra tells the story of a noted Lutheran pastor and homiletics professor, Edmund Stemel, whose wife of many years died on a Saturday before Easter. She got sick suddenly in the morning. She got sicker in the afternoon. And by evening, she was gone. Stemel said, I found myself the next day seated in the pew of our church on Easter Sunday. The church was full of Easter lilies. There was a brass choir, a springtime congregation singing the hallelujahs, and it just stuck in my throat. I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. And I did not believe in the resurrection, not that day. Not with what had just happened to me. And so I put down my hymnal. But as I listened to the congregation, he said, I realized that I didn't have to believe in the resurrection today. The members of the congregation are believing in the resurrection for me. Until once again, I can believe in it for myself. That's exactly where the disciples were on Easter Eve. Their hopes were dashed. Their leader, their Lord, to them was dead. Their lives were in great danger. And so they were huddled together. In this little room. And their hopes were that nobody would come and unlock that door. 
Because they had it not only locked, they had it bolted. They were scared for their lives. They thought they would be killed next. You see, they apparently didn't believe what Mary Magdalene told them about Jesus being raised from the dead. Nor did they believe Peter or John or two of the lesser known followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Three strikes, they were out. And now in total lockdown and just being paralyzed with fear, Jesus appears among them and says, Peace be with you, boys. Peace be with you. And they had anything but peace within them. Then he shows them his hands. He shows them his side. Then he asks him for something to eat. John's gospel skims over details like that. You've got to read a little further. But then the disciples rejoice. They rejoice in the Lord's presence. There he is once again among them. And so he commissions them. He sends them on a mission. He doesn't just let them stand there admiring him. He says straight away, as the Father sent me, now I'm going to send you. Mission is a Latin word, which means to send. And Jesus starts this faith cycle that's not about standing still, but it's about moving out, moving toward those in need. John Wesley said, the world is my parish. And for all the years that he preached, he submitted to us that we needed to get to it and help do the job. Find a need and meet it. So Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father sent me, so now I'm going to send you. And in the flash of an eye, the followers of Jesus called disciples become apostles, the sent ones. They're not just believers anymore. Now they're on a mission. And they go from following Jesus to witnessing about Jesus and helping people in just a myriad of ways. And they do it with the power of Christ's presence and in the knowledge that they are children of God. The Greek word for power is dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. I loved what Reverend Rick said last Sunday. Jesus blew the doors off the tomb. It didn't just roll away. It didn't just have a couple of people just move it over. No, Jesus blew the doors off. It was like dynamite. And as Christians, we believe that there's no greater power in the world than the love of God. Because love is why Jesus came to earth in the first place. We teach it to children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a path into life with God. Marcus Borg, perhaps the best known theologian of our century, says to know God and Jesus in the present is to participate in the life of the age to come. Because Jesus died in our place so that we might be forgiven. In my mind, 
Isn't that why we would give our heart to God in the first place? And I believe that's why Professor Kathleen Norris has said so very eloquently, if we can determine what it is we give our hearts to, then we will know what it is we believe. That just makes sense to me. Now, does this mean that we won't have any doubts anymore? No! Doubting is important to our faith journey. Doubts are the seeds of faith. They're what cause us to ruminate about what might be. They help us to clarify where we're going and how we're going to get there. I often tell the story that John Shea shared with me so many years ago about God's fruit stand. A woman went into a, a market and looked around and she saw a sign that said, God's fruit stand. She said, thank God, finally. So, she goes inside and she said, I'd like to purchase a perfect banana. I'd like a perfect cantaloupe. I'd like a perfect strawberry. I'd like a perfect peach. And God, who's behind the counter, just shrugs his shoulders and said, I'm sorry, lady, all I sell is seeds. You see, death is but one more moment in the process of becoming. The woman's mistake in the story of God's fruit stand was connecting God with something that was already finished. With God, it's never finished. There's always a way forward. There's always a call forward. God is where we are. And God allows us to move forward through his grace and provides a way for us. Isn't that what Easter is all about? Jesus provides life beyond death, that next step in the process of life. Shea tells a story about a teacher who decided she was going to do an original Easter play. Always a dangerous idea. So she cast this kid as the rock. And he liked it. He said, I I like being the rock. And the teacher couldn't help herself. She said, why do you like being the rock? Pretty simple role, really. Kid says, I like letting Jesus out of the tomb. Teacher couldn't help herself again. You know how they are. She said, John, the rock isn't rolled back so Jesus can get out. The rock is rolled back so that we can see in. Oh. You see, today we need to see what is already ours. What's our next step? What God has already done for us through Jesus We all have doubts, and that's why we need to practice our faith every day, not just once in a while. I believe that our family and our church family is 
is the place where we learn about our faith and we practice our faith. Our home, we've called it the cradle of faith since the beginning of time. Through our life experiences and our, our faith grows in, in us and through us. Wesley talked about growing through scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Wesley said he was a man of one book and he based his life on what he believed the Bible was saying to him about his life and his relationship to Christ. And then through the church and through family, he practiced his faith every day. And then he became absolutely passionate about how he understood ministry and his reasons for doing everything. Because Wesley believed that you could not separate life from faith. It could not be done. It's not something to be studied. It's something to be lived. And so through his experiences of both successes and failures, he made corrections and adjustments along the way that helped him to see ahead and to move forward. Wesley practiced his faith in so many unique ways. ways. He he rode a horse 250,000 miles. I'm scared of horses. I hate horses. I can't imagine even doing that. I can't imagine riding, riding a couple miles. I mean, that would do it for me forever. I'm not sure he liked it, but he did it. It was part of the deal. It was part of the calling. He preached 40,000 sermons. I wouldn't have wanted to listen to those. Not that many. Give me a good one. At one time, at the end of the Civil War, 40% of the United States were Methodists. Because it was a movement founded by lay preachers Not seminary trained preachers like Rick and Laura and myself. These lay persons were on a mission to fill hearts with the passion and powerful spirit of the love of God through scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. It was simple, it was basic, it was needed, and it took. Wesley believed that the power of God's love was the spirit of God within us, which makes us powerful, passionate apostles, sent by God to love others, as we ourselves desire to be loved. Jesus, to me, is the bridge, the connection, the link between God and us. And Jesus came to earth to help us to believe and become children of God in the fullest sense Here we are today because we believe in helping each other to believe in the power of God's love. This is a wonderful church. I'm just honored and privileged to be here among you. I am so grateful for the opportunity because this church has a heart for missions. Help with the water crisis in Flint, with the flood recovery in Detroit, Grace Centers of Hope, Baldwin Soup Kitchen, Cass Social Services, the food pantry we have here, Adult Righteous Mission, 
youth and adult mission trips. The list goes on and on and on because it's a connection between God and the world. It's reaching out, allowing God to be seen in the basics of life, not something separate from life. How we see things is so important. One of my favorite stories is about someone who asked three different people what they were doing. The first one, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying stones. And the second one said, well, I'm building a building. And the third one said, I'm raising a cathedral for the worship of God. How we see what we're doing makes a difference not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. No matter what we do, we are all ministers by our baptism. We are all the called ones. And we are all invited to become the sent ones. The question really is, in this post-Easter time, how will Easter this year inform you, form you, and transform you so that your life of faith can be something of a gift that you offer to others. Easter is not just a day. It is the doorway that leads to the pathway of ministry for those who believe they are the sent ones. It's your story of faith. It's my story of faith. Go and be the church. Amen.